I'm Geraldo Rivera. I'm Emily Campagno. And I'm Eric Sean. This is a Fox News Rundown. Thursday, March 11th, 2021. I'm Trey Yingst. Jury selection continues in the trial for a police officer charged in the killing of George Floyd. The former officer, Derek Chauvin, is charged with second-degree murder, second-degree manslaughter, and now third-degree murder. Very interesting series of events here. This is the Fox News Rundown, Evening Edition. Today, a U.S. judge reinstated a third-degree murder charge for Derek Chauvin, a former Minneapolis police officer accused of killing George Floyd. Floyd's death led to widespread unrest in the United States during the summer of 2020, something officials fear could be reignited, depending on the outcome of the trial. The process of jury selection is now underway in this case as national attention turns to Minnesota. Right now, we are in the third day of jury selection in the trial of Derek Chauvin. He's the former Minneapolis police officer charged with killing George Floyd. This is Fox News correspondent Matt Finn. Uh, Many people have now seen that uh, very horrific viral video of George Floyd uh, with Derek Chauvin's knee on his neck. So, you know, that incident sent shockwaves around the world. Here we are now at the trial in Minneapolis. Uh, This is day three of the jury selection. Six jurors have now been seated. Uh, Multiple uh, dozens of potential jurors have been dismissed. Um, We are watching a live feed of inside of the courtroom. This is the first criminal trial in the history of the state of Minnesota that's been allowed to be broadcast. Uh, The judge uh, figured that there was so much public interest and also a lot of COVID restrictions that prevented a lot of people from getting inside of the courtroom. So we are able to uh, be outside of the courthouse and watch. Only two journalists are allowed in at the time to take uh, notes. But um, what's happening is uh, standard procedure, uh, jurors are asked a series of questions in a questionnaire before they get inside of the courtroom for actual questioning. Uh, and then they're you know, asked if they can be impartial. You know, what are their views on the Minneapolis Police Department? One uh, notable series of questions are, what are your views on Black Lives Matter? And what are your views on Blue Lives Matter? Uh, and that, I think, has been... Um, very revealing as to what people think about this case. And then, you know, a lot of these jurors are asked, have you seen that video? What do you think of the video? Um, You know, there was a woman a short while ago who was dismissed uh, who said that although she saw the video and would perhaps be able to be impartial, she's not sure that she can ever erase what she saw. Uh, And so the judge uh, later said that, you know, she did indicate that perhaps um, she would be uh, impartial. So what's happening here now is the former officer, Derek Chauvin, is charged with second-degree murder, second-degree manslaughter, and now third-degree murder. Very interesting series of events here. Uh, Jury selection was scheduled to start this past Monday, but over the weekend, really, you know, just about 24, 48 hours before this monumental trial was set to begin, uh, an appellate court here in Minnesota ruled that the judge who is overseeing this case made an error when he did not add third-degree murder to the list of Derek Chauvin's charges. Uh, the judge here said that uh, third-degree murder did not fit uh, fit what happened uh, in that video. However, an appellate court ruled that it did. Um, and so there was this back and forth for the first couple days of whether or not Derek Chauvin would be charged with third-degree murder. The prosecution said, we actually want this, this the trial to be delayed until we 
can figure out what happens with the third-degree murder charge because we only get to do this once. So long story short, um, yesterday an appellate court here ruled uh, that the, their opinion stands on a third-degree murder charge, that the third-degree murder should be reinstated, and then just today the judge reinstated that third-degree murder charge. It's hard to follow, but the bottom line is now there's another charge that Derek Chauvin is faced with, which, of course, his defense team was not uh, in favor of, because it gives you know a jury potential another option to find him guilty on some type of murder charge, Trey. Yeah, absolutely. The live stream's got to make your job a lot easier reporting this out. I wanted to ask you more about the jury selection and uh, what it's like with these questions back and forth. Uh, we've seen some reports that this judge isn't expecting people to have not heard about the case or seen the video. And he's sort of making the argument to the potential jurors, as well as the lawyers in the courtroom, that you could still be impartial despite having exposure to this case, living in the community and understanding some of the sensitivity around what is going to be discussed and ultimately processed and presented at the trial. Yes, I would say the majority of the potential jurors or even the people who were seated you know, say that they have seen news reports about the video, video that they've, you know, walked by their TV and seen the video, or that they've, you know, flat out watched the video multiple times. A woman who was just dismissed said she had seen it several times, um, and that, you know, she was warned, well, you might see it again. Uh, would you be able to put aside your, um, you know, any opinions? And she said yes, but ultimately the judge uh, dismissed her because he felt like, uh, you know, she couldn't. But, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating because this story obviously was so saturated online, on social media, on TV and print. And there are some people who say, yeah, you know, like, I saw some things about it online, but I don't have any big takeaways from it. Or, yeah, I walked by my TV and it was on, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't dive into the topic. Now, you wonder if they're telling the truth, you know, because perhaps some people don't want to come across as impartial or opinionated and want to be sat. But uh, it is surprising to me that, you know, for how... Um, for how prevalent the story was last summer and really in all the following months that some people say, yeah, you know, I, I just, I don't really pay attention to the news. And we all know those people, but you know, there are also people who were sat who say, you know, um, they have perhaps favorable opinions of black lives matter and, and also blue lives matter. One thing we're hearing is, you know, over and over again, uh, people say things like, you know, I'm in favor of black lives matter mission, but I'm not in favor of what they did here in the streets of Minneapolis, all the rioting and the damage last summer. Or, you know, some people will say, you know, I have, uh, I'm favorable of police in general, but I think Blue Lives Matter basically piggybacked off Black Lives Matter and, you know, copycatted their, their, um, their mission and, and the BLM name. Um, so uh, there's a lot of interesting questions going on here that are, I think, really trying to get at the heart of the matter. Uh, and then there are people being, I mean, they're being struck left and right. You know, I, I think the defense has struck at least six people now. Um, the state a short while ago just struck a man um, who says he's neutral towards Chauvin and neutral towards Floyd, that he has... Uh, good experiences with Minneapolis police, uh, you know, and he sounded like perhaps a perfect juror for the defense, but the state, you know, just didn't like him. So uh, I heard a couple of legal analysts say things like, you know, it's not finding a perfect jury because that doesn't exist. It's about trying to weed out the jurors who absolutely should not be sat. You've been listening to Fox News correspondent Matt Finn. We'll be right back. You mentioned the unrest last summer following the death of George Floyd, you had some remarkable reporting on the front lines night after night of these riots taking place and ultimately the unrest that spread across the country and was part of 
a much larger series of events. How is Minnesota preparing for the possibility that this trial could see protests and possible unrest? Well, right outside of the courthouse, there is an immense security presence. It is sectioned off with very high gates. We're we're guessing like 12 feet tall, the fencing. Uh, And there's a tarp around most of the fencing, so you can't even see in it. And there's, uh, you know, razor wire. There are uh, National Guard trucks and vehicles. And there are basically what appear to be troops and or, you know, armed police letting select people in and out of the property. We're assuming, you know, that's employees, that's perhaps potential jurors, obviously, you know, the, the judge, etc. We're not exactly sure who that is. But to even enter the courthouse property right now is like going through like, you know, a, a military lockdown, if you will. And, and actually one thing that's happening is um, the potential jurors are being asked how they feel about all the very intense security that they're going through every morning. Are you intimidated? You know, does, it, does this make you think twice about being a juror? Some people are saying, oh, I feel safe. Uh, I feel like this is a great, you know, um, a great use of our resources. Other people are saying, I'm, I'm highly intimidated. I didn't expect to walk through all this. Because it, it is intimidating if you aren't expecting to see it. So that's the actual courthouse. Uh, because of COVID and security concerns, there, is, there are a minimal number of people in that courtroom. Uh, you're, there's one member of the George Floyd family, two members of the press. You know, typically, you know, these courtrooms can probably see dozens of people. Um, and so then around the city, we've been, you know, going around the city, talking to business members, some who had their property burned to the ground uh, last year. A lot of them have got back on their feet to some extent. Some literally just opened their businesses a couple of weeks ago. And the majority of them tell us we will board again if we need to. We're going to kind of wait to see how this plays out. We're going to see, you know, what happens with the actual verdict. But we have our boarding in place. We have our security plans in place. We will board up. Now, another person, a writer on the corner from the courthouse said, look, I had to open and close four times last year between COVID, between riots, between other threats. I, I am not boarding up again. I cannot afford to close one more time. So we're just going to take a deep breath. But in general, uh, this city uh, and the region absolutely is bracing for this trial. You know, there, I think everybody is kind of at the edge of their seats waiting to see what will happen uh, with this verdict. And, you know, uh, there is these jurors are also being questioned. Are you intimidating being on the jury? Those people who flat out said, I, I'm nervous. I don't want to do this. I'm afraid what would happen to be my children, to my house. I would never want to be identified. That is absolutely a factor um, when these jurors are considered whether or not they want to be sat. It's amazing the variety of opinions on this case and, and what happened last summer. You posted on Instagram uh, two different pieces of graffiti from when you were out in the field, and one said, don't burn, I live next door, and the other said, mm-hmm. save a life, kill a cop. And it really just, I mean, paints a picture of the different perspectives that people have on what happened and the community and people that have to live among each other. I think your reporting has been so spot on because throughout the summer and and then now, I mean, it's not only talking with business owners, protesters, uh, law enforcement, every single person that is involved in this story is getting a, a voice in your reporting. So I guess my last question has to do with that. I mean, how do you approach a story like this, having been there during the unrest and being able to use that as a backdrop to what this means to the people in the community in Minneapolis and what it means for the country? Well, first and foremost, we're here right now because of this extremely tragic incident. If you watch that video of George Floyd, it's very hard not to be heavily impacted by that. So you you have to begin with that mindset. If you understand, you know, why there is such a large portion of this city and this world 
that's deeply upset with what they saw. You know, the argument can be made that, you know, this guy was killed, that he had the life sucked out of him. On the flip side, the argument is also can be made and is being made by the defense that this officer was following his training, uh, you know, that he was doing what he was taught to do. So you, you understand, you could see both sides. And so I always, you know, try to approach these situations. I remember last year saying I want to be a sponge in this situation because I want to hear what everybody has to say. And you, you understand why some people are so terribly hurt, you know, and you also understand why, you know, other people are, you know, are trying to say we need to defund the police, et cetera. Um, so I, I always walk around trying to listen to both sides uh, and trying to obviously include both sides or all the sides in my reporting and you know an example is the security that we're talking right um inside and outside of the courthouse there are people of color in this community and there are people in general whether or not of color in this community who feel like that is an excessive show of force it's militaristic you know they talk all the time about how they don't like seeing uh, police in military riot gear where they're like well here we go again you know now we have to witness this again and any potential black juror has to walk through this intense security and police presence every day that might trigger them. You know, it might bring back flashbacks of what happened to George Floyd. You know, so something that some people look at as a great use of resources, something that's protecting us, something that's keeping us safe. Another person walks through and says, I'm triggered. You know, this, this I'm upset by this because, you, you know, allegedly one of you are the people who murdered George Floyd. You know, so I, I am trying to be an open book constantly and, and trying to just you know, pr- approach every situation as neutral as possible. And yeah, you know, so what happened was, and here's the thing too, is, you know, these, these riots last summer, there was a lot of peaceful protests, but unfortunately, as we know, some of them turned sour with rioting, a lot of damage. Uh, the estimation is a half billion with a B damage here in Minneapolis alone. You know, and I talked to this one guy who owns an entire uh, shopping plaza, you know, multiple tenants. And he said, the majority of my tenants are foreign. He used the word immigrants. In fact, he goes, I can't even speak English with them correctly. So the, the rebuilding process over the past couple of months has been so difficult. You know, and then we talked to some of those tenants, and they said, you know, it, it was so painful for us because we came here and we had nothing, and we tried to make a living, and it was all, you know, burned down and taken from us. You know, so um, you still signed that you referred to, you know, some people were saying, this, this business is owned by a, black, a black-owned business, or please don't burn this business. My children live above it. You know, so once again, there's another side where, you know, the protesters and the rioters say, you know, we want our voices heard and marching around doesn't work anymore. So we're going to burn things down. We're going to riot. We're going to loot, you know, but then there's perhaps minorities who own that business or minorities who live above that business saying, please don't let our children die. You know, so absolutely now more than ever, um, this it is it is it goes without sailing. This is such a polarizing issue. And then being back up here now, I have to say, I think it's even more fueled than ever. Um, it, it, the sides are so far apart and people are so convicted by what they feel that you do have to wonder, you know, without, you know, without instigating the matter, but you do wonder wh- what's going to happen when this verdict comes down. The nation will be watching very closely and nuanced, detailed and, and humanizing. I, I would describe your reporting, Matt, really incredible work. And it's uh, it's awesome to see you in the field. You know, I think our, our viewers are well served because really it's a human first perspective in reporting. I really appreciate your time and coming on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition podcast. Matt Finn, Fox News National Correspondent. Matt, thank you. Thank you, Trey. 
You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.